Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone back to another episode of the Black Create Connect podcast, um, where we speak with some of the most incredible, influential black entrepreneurs and professionals, create creatives. And today I've got Nell Simpson, who is the founder of Pursue Talent. Yeah. 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 And BTSN. Yeah, Black which, Tech Sales Network. Yeah. yeah, Black Tech Sales Network. Give it up for now, everyone. Woo! I know you're clapping at home as well. I know everyone's clapping. <laughs> um, I've been waiting for now for a long time, actually, because Nadine, so my best friend Nadine, that you may, may have heard in one of the episodes, has gone on and on about you. And mm. your name always comes up at least once a month. Someone randomly says, you should connect with now. You should connect with now. And I'm yeah. like, who is this now girl that, that I need to be connecting with? For the, the past year, people have Mad. been saying that. Mad. Do you know what that means? Yeah, I guess it's, it's this was the plan in terms of growing my um, personal brand, but also I guess it's a lot of that comes down to Black Excel's network success as well. So this was, yeah. this was the goal, this was objective. So let's let's start off with the Black Tech Sales Network. Mm-hmm. Why did you start it? Because I know you've had quite of a mixed career, mm-hmm. right? So what influenced you initially to start it and how long ago did you start it? So started in 2020, 2000, yeah, so June, 2020. Thing about Black Tech Sales Network, when I set it up, it, it, it was very kind of like, um, Obviously, everything was happening with George Floyd mm. and the protests. Mm. Um, and I actually planned to set up Black Tech Sales Network a few weeks before that. Why? Because, it, well, to be honest with you, so... All right, so to take it back, we'll take it back. Okay. So I, my background is tech sales. I okay. recruitment. So I recruit people into tech sales positions or commercial roles in tech space. Okay. Um, and I got into that in 2017. So over five years experience now. And um, I mean, I got into the industry with no experience at all. I didn't understand what tech sales was or software sales. Um, mm. And then once I started speaking to, my job is to speak to candidates and speak to businesses mm. um, on a daily basis. Mm. And I was speaking to candidates. I was going to offices and I was seeing what this industry is like, the software world. Mm. And I was like, I can't believe it really. Cause I'm from, Hudders- I'm from Huddersfield where you don't really have companies who are people in careers or in like, like this. It was very mm. so forward thinking. First day, my first day I went into an office and there was, um, there were dogs running around the office, people getting massaged uh, at the desk. So you was like, this is the life. Yeah, it was just like, it's like I didn't feel like this is where, yeah, I thought this is where you work, you know? Right, question actually, before we go, we continue on that, mm. how did you get into doing tech sales recruitment in the first place? What made you yeah, so I was, think about that? Even take it further back then. We'll okay, okay. Let's, do, do you know what? Let's take it back. <laughs> Usually on my episodes, I, I take it back from the beginning, but I jump straight in there. No, no, here. Let's go well, back. Well, I think now it, it makes sense to do that because Black Tech Sales Networks, I guess it's, um, it's that a lot of that comes from the, all the other stuff that's exactly. happened up to, leading up to it. So yeah. I think it definitely is important to tell the story behind myself and and then what led to Black Tech Sales Network. So yeah, so my background is sport. Like I was always very sporty as a, as a, as a young boy mm. growing up. I went to university and studied sport science, mm. then did a master's degree in strength and conditioning, which is a sport science related topic. Mm. Um, and I excelled, I did really well. I got a first at uni. Okay. Uh, then I did a, I, got, right. I missed a, a percentage of getting a distinction on my master's as well. It's okay. the first time I was, I was a geek. Really? It's the first time. In where, what, when you was doing your master's? Yeah, well, no, when I was doing the university in general. I remember saying to my mum and my sister, I'm going to get a first on this degree when I, before I went to it. And that was kind of like, I don't know if they believed it or they laughed at me, but even me saying that was a stretch because my academic background was never strong. You know, I got C's, D's at, univers- at, at school. So, I never, go on. I was never really like that academically strong, you know? So when I went to uni, it was something I was really interested in mm. and I loved it. And I was so applied mm. that I ended up getting a first. And I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach, which is working with like athletes. Um, you know, you, I don't know if you support football, any football teams or you're watching. Uh, no, but I understand what yeah. that is because I've got a cousin that works in sports psychology and she, okay. she explained. Yeah, yeah, so it's similar. Like yeah. these sports teams are massive backroom staff, yeah. backroom teams and a, a strength and conditioning coach is part of it. Then you know, take them to the gym and make sure that they're fit and do all that sort of stuff, yeah? Mm. Um, I want to do that. That was my goal. Um, and that's why I went to uni for. Um, 
And then that's why I did a master's degree to make myself even more employable. But throughout my master's degree, I, can't, I started trying to get experience. And a lot of what you do at the time is like for free internships and stuff. And, mm. But I didn't, I was like 24 at this point. Bit impatient. I saw friends who have gone to uni a bit. Like, cause I, some of my friends were like almost two years ahead of me in terms of their careers because of like some of the stuff that I went, I had a year out after school and all that mm. stuff. Um, and I started seeing the money that you earn in the strength conditioning world and the sports science world. It wasn't all that. What was the money looking like? It's just like 20 grand, 21 grand. At the peak? Not at the peak. I mean, the peak for me was being a Liverpool football club or, you know, a Premier League football team. Yeah. And I, even then I spoke to someone and they were talking, yeah, the, the main strength conditioning coach might get, what, 50 grand a year and stuff. And I was like... Even then, like you're working for like a Premier League team. 50 grand yeah. working for a Premier League team. These guys are on that a day. So then, so then that just tells me that that role can't be that vital to the team. It is, that's the thing. That's if like, you're working longer sense. than the players, like I did I did some internships where you're on it all the time because the players, they come in, they train, they leave, they play a match on the weekend and that's it. Yeah. Um, but you're like responsible for setting up before training, you're packing up after training, you're responsible for packing the bus if they're going to the games and stuff. There's so much more than just- play You're a PA, them. basically. You're- <laughs> yeah, but the backroom stuff, like the players just rely on them so much. Like you look at um, really? these football teams now, they've probably got like 30, 40 people in the backroom stuff just to make sure that the, the 23 people are just are on it, you know? So anyway, look, I realized the money in that industry, I, I was slowly realizing the money in that industry wasn't going to be where I want it to be. I'm, mm. I'm money driven. I do like the nicer things in life. You know, mm. I do see myself living oh, in a nice house. Soft life, Telling, you, telling you, I like the nice things in life. It. I do. I do like my mum and dad have done well. So I've yeah, grown yeah. up in an environment where, you know, we, we go on holidays and we, you know, we treat ourselves. I like nice things. Yeah. And who doesn't know? Isn't it? Is it well, so you know what? No, you say that because some of the people that I went to university with, they're not like me or they wasn't like that sort of person. They're happy being on that sort of salary and, and you know, living the, the dream of working with a sport team every day, um, traveling around the world. And it sounds good. But something's got, you know, someone's got to give and, and, and like the money, I, I, need, I, need, I need to put pain more basically. So anyway, I, I finished university, finished did the master's degree and I was personal training, but I never wanted to be a personal trainer because personal training to me is just like, you, it's people who aren't that committed. Like it's very easy to get Karen to come in and, and, you, train, <laughs> and you train Karen. Do you know what? I'm looking at you, I'm, I'm thinking, I've had probably about seven PTs. Yeah. <laughs> Like, if you're watching this, PT, I'm sorry. That's what I'm sorry. about personal training is you're relying a lot on the, the client yeah, you to do. get the results because you want, unless they're paying you every single day and you've, you're, you're literally a full on personal trainer, which these celebrities have, you're still relying on them. Mm. And you might only see them once a week and then you give them a plan. The, I don't know if they're doing a plan. Yeah. You give them a diet. I don't know if they're doing a diet. So, like, when they're not getting results, it falls on you. And, and I just, the reason why I like the whole sports science stuff was because it's athletes, you know, they've dedicated mm. their lives to this. Mm. So me telling them to do the extra little bits is they're, they're listening and they're, they're interested in doing it. And it's, mm. and you see their um, results on the pitch. Mm. That's why I liked it. But whereas like normal people like personal training, Yeah, personal training is just like, I, I didn't get that much of a buzz of saying, I'm going to help you lose lots of weight. I, I didn't. Yeah, really? I actually marketed myself to be more of the strength coach. So it wasn't people who was losing weight. It was more people who go to the gym already, but they want to just start lifting a few weights. So, so someone came to you and was like, Niall, I heard you're a really good PT and I really want to lose all this weight. I do it. I'm not you saying, would, I, I wouldn't say no. And you'd I, be like, nah, sorry. I wouldn't say no. But waste I, feel of time. Like, I feel like my personal brand then as a, as a PT yeah. was... Come to me if you're already kind of fit. Basically, I want an easy job. So no, nah, that's <laughs> easy. Like, but you, I'm joking. No, nah, you're right though. Like, but I, I think that was because of not my. I didn't have a love for it. I didn't have right. the patience to wait around for someone to lose weight for six months. So you know, I just didn't. <laughs> I, that wasn't me as a PT. <laughs> I'm not lying. I just didn't. I didn't enjoy oh, that. I didn't no enjoy patience. because I think for me, I'm, I've got a, like a no. Um, no nonsense kind of mentality. It's like you don't need to lose weight, so let's let's just change these things and it's and you know no no complaints. But then I do feel like 
I wasn't, PT is a very, you have to be quite patient with people. It's a lifestyle change. I guess yeah. I didn't have that patience. Yeah. And that's why I want to work with athletes who have already got that mindset. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, well, at least you know, at least you knew, do you know what? That's not for me. Yeah. And this is for me. And I can appreciate yeah. that. It's better than you training people and behind their back saying, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Them. Yeah. So. And that's, and, and I never was like active on like Instagram, um, and things like that because I just I didn't feel like I was that guy, you know. And I, and I see PTs now and they're killing it, and I rate them, mm. um, and I rate the effort they put in, the videos they put in. I just want that guy, mm-hmm. and, and that's when I knew someone right. So um, yeah, then my friend, one of my best friends, was working in London at the company I ended up at, and I just said to him one day, like, can you get me a job in London? Not not at that business, but just in general, because I knew he worked on. So, uh, so at this time, when you was doing all the um, the training, the, the strength conditioning, mm-hmm. you're all in Huddersfield. All in Huddersfield, yeah. Right. So why? That's where you... the accents from, everyone. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you now. Your accent was the biggest shock. <laughs> I remember you. I remember <laughs> you said when you call me. Yeah, you call me. Yeah. No, but you oh, said voice the voice note. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, who, who is this? Who's this now? <laughs> now that I completely expected to be a proper London geek yeah, guy. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, anyway. So why did you want to move from Huddersfield to London? What was it about London? I've always wanted to live in the city, to be honest. If you ask all my friends from Huddersfield, they will say I'm, um, I'm a little bit different in terms of trying to be out there more. Because um, I think there's more to life than wherever you live. Even if you lived in London, there's more mm, to life than mm, away from London. Mm. Huddersfield's a, it's a town where not much going on right now. Um, but there's a lot of talent in Huddersfield, and I think a lot of people waste it because they don't um, they don't spread the wings, I guess. And I always wanted to leave the city. I always wanted to leave the town. But do you think there's a need to spread your wings now, um, kind of in real life, when we're moving to such a remote virtual world? Million percent. I completely believe that. Okay. Well, I always, when I meet people who have traveled or that's what I learned in London, when you, you meet people in London who have traveled a lot or like mm. um, their mums and dads had to travel a lot when they were younger. And mm. there's always something different about someone who's traveled. I met a guy last week who's from San Francisco and he's lived in Chicago. He's from Gambia and he lived in London. Mm. He's been around. Mm. And I was like, and you could tell, but I've met so many people down the years and there's always something different about someone who's traveled and, and met different people from different cultures. What's the tra- what, what's the kind of trend that you kind of find with people that travel? Because I find that people that, like I've got a friend, she's like a digital nomad. She just goes mm. every, any and anywhere. She's I mean, like, they're next level. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're next yeah level. They, are, they are next level. But she literally just pops up at my house, yeah. pops out like she's just everywhere. But her mind is so free. Like the cares, the deep cares of this world, she doesn't seem to be wrapped, wrapped mm. up in any of it because she, she's not attached to any of it at all. Yeah. Um, and I really admire it. And she's very open-minded. So there's there could be any, she's, she'll literally do anything. So the other day I called her, I said, where are you? I'm at Peckham just dancing in the park with some strangers. I said, okay, fantastic. <laughs> and that's what you do. I love that. <laughs> that's what you do when you travel. I love that. You're just open-minded. But what? Yeah, I think that's it. That's, <laughs> open-minded, not afraid of yeah. trying new things, you know, making the most of every, every situation because these nomads, they'll be in like living in some, I don't know, like some- Anywhere. Yeah, some some apartment that's just, just yeah, I'm just living here for two weeks and yeah. looking in, it's like- <laughs> There, but they're not bothered because yeah. you know, there's no somewhere else to come. It's like um, you seen Titanic, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. When Jack in the beginning, oh no, when he's talking to Rose, I think, and he's talking about how oh, one day's in France, one day's in, and she can't believe it because she's you know, from rich family and she's yeah. facing her life is like you followed these steps to get where you want to be, and yeah. he's just like, oh, I might be in Paris next week, I might be, here. you know yeah. what I mean? And I think like that's a really like it's just a random example, but I, I rate people who travel around a lot because they like you said they're quite free, they're open. Um, and being open-minded opens up doors, doesn't it? hundred percent. You end up in a situation where, how did I get up here, end up here? But it's because you met this person in Amsterdam because you took a flight from London to, you know what I mean? And yeah. I when you, when you stay, stay in the same place, you don't, it doesn't, there's no doors yeah. opening. You know, you're going through the same doors all the time. I agree. You learn so much from when you, from how much you travel. Even when I go on holiday, like when I do solo trips mm. and I just meet random people and just, talking about them and their experiences and their stories. I love learning about people. Mm. It opens up your mind because you're in a different setting. So you're meeting new people and you're learning about new things. You're like, oh, I'm educated. Yeah, yeah. You know? Where have you been by yourself? Um, Mexico. I went to Mexico by myself. Did you? This year? year? year, Same. I went to Playa del Carmen. When? Oh my gosh, March. No, what day? Well, I I went on... Yeah, beginning of April, like 4th of April. Okay, so we just missed each other yeah, because yeah. I literally just came back. Where did you go? I went to Playa del Carmen. Playa del Carmen, Tulum. I went to Tulum as well, Tulum yeah. and obviously Cancun. But okay, I, well, I went, 
Mexico City, Tulum. Oh, by yourself? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How did you find it? Sick. It's one of the Isn't best it? experiences. Because I, I knew I was setting this business up and I was like, right, I need to go away before I do this. Yeah. And I said to my boys, when I go to Mexico, Tulum. They didn't get it. What's what's in Tulum? <laughs> and I was like, you seen Tulum on like Instagram yeah, and, yeah. and didn't get it. So I was like, I'm going. So you just went by yourself? Went by myself, yeah. 10 days, sick. So, okay. So what was your most memorable experience in Mexico? There was a day where I met this, because um, I was on Facebook and I was messaging people. I, went, I joined like group chats and stuff. Same, like this black, is, black in Mexico and black in Tulum. Yeah, stuff and like that. that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. and stuff, yeah. And um, even that, that, that was just very open. I don't do stuff like that normally. You know what I mean? I go yeah. on holidays. I'm like, to your, you know, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be, I'm with my boys or with yeah. my family and I don't want to talk to anyone else. Yeah. But I, I knew I had to go and be just a free spirit. And um, so messaging people and then this, this uh, woman message saying, oh, they do like um, personalized tours around like the um, cenotes. So like, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go. And she, she asked me where I want to go. I said, I want to see a couple of cenotes and I want to do like some, um, something else. And then she put on this like personalized tour for me. And it was just her and her husband. Oh, sorry, boyfriend. Um, sick. Like, because he's from the island. He's from yeah. there. So he knew where to go, like the private ones. I love that. And I spent this day, I went into like the jungle. Like, at one point I was going down in this, in this Jeep, going down this road and like, I think it's like two miles in the jungle. Oh my God. And I'm thinking they could do anything to Anything. Me. Like you can actually die anything. by yourself. And nobody would No know. reception. Nobody would know. No reception. Wow. And, um, but I thought, stop thinking like that and just be free. Exactly. And I was going in the jungle and I met this, um, this, uh, what they call, what they, what's that area called again? Um, Mayan, Mayan. Is it the thing when the, everyone, everyone lives in the community? Yeah, the Mayan people, aren't they? Yeah, they, yeah. they call themselves Mayan people, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Mexicans. Yeah. And they were just like, they, yeah, it was just like, he was telling a story and he was translating it to me and it was just, we drink beer. It's sick, so, and sick. do you know what? Mexicans are really nice. Really nice. Like I was not, I didn't have any expectations to be fair, but like when I, when I told my family that I was going, they were like, Alicia, the cartel's going to get you. If, you got to be careful. Listen. And I'm like, can we take away the negative listen, energy, please? Listen, listen. And listen. just be free. I was so excited <laughs> for my trip here. And as it got closer, people were going, Mexico. <laughs> and they're going, they're going, be careful over there. Be careful over there. And my mum and my sister, everyone messaging me. And I wasn't scared up until about the day before I was going. Same. Mum's ringing me. Dad rings me. My sister's like, can we, um, is there a way we can like track your phone to make sure you're all right? And I'm saying, listen. And everyone, I'll message, and then people message me on WhatsApp going, have a good time, but to be safe, yeah? And I'm thinking. Same. Am I? My stupid going on this trip. Same. And even so, even when I was out there, my mum was like, Alicia, I read a story about this girl getting chopped up in Mexico. Oh. I said, I'm here now, mum. Yeah. So, can you and wait? What, what did you think when you were there? Um, I loved it. It was safe, wasn't it? It was Obviously, safe. Like anywhere, you've got to be careful. Yeah. London. Like Jamaica. Jamaica, yeah. you can't just roll around in Kingston by yourself. Yeah, yeah. But you can go London's to London's got like a high death, like what's yeah. that? Like people getting robbed and, you know, people getting pickpockets. Even I get frightened. Sometimes I walk in some areas in, you know, I won't mention areas, but I walk then I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot be here by yeah. myself. I need to be in the car. So it can happen anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. And I think it's just because it's abroad and Mexican. There's so many like cartel yeah. um, series and stuff like that. But there's loads of people from London there as well in Mexico. Yeah. Did you meet people I met, Well, London? actually I met more Americans. More Americans. Did there. you? Yeah. I met Americans, but I also met about five people in, from London that mm. lived there, like that I just moved. And actually two of them were from Croydon and I'm yeah, from Croydon. Okay, okay. And, I, and I was like, oh my goodness, look at Did this. you find them on the community? No. Oh, I, I just, so my, my friend that's a digital nomad, Bammy, shout out Bammy. Um, she's also like an entrepreneur and everything herself. Mm. She lived in Mexico for a bit. Mm. Um, and she um, she just told me where to go. She was like, go to this spot. And I found that when I went to those places to eat or mm. like, or anything, they were expensive, but I met people yeah. and it was a vibe yeah. and I had the best time of my life and I want to go again. Yeah, like, I'm actually thinking about doing some time out there. If once same. I get things, the business going where it's just money coming regularly, yeah. I'll go out there and, and work from there. Now, now get out of my head, please, because I've, I literally have it on my vision boards mm. to go Mexico and just rent out my apartment yeah. and just live there for a bit because I felt my whole like spirit become more happier yeah. being out there. I don't know what it I was. I don't know what it was, but I, I really, that holiday was like, was something different out there. Yeah. And um, maybe it was because by myself or was it just Mexico in general, but no, nah, that holiday was um, it's exactly what I needed. And, I, and it made me think like, I'm definitely doing this again, solo holidays, so. 
yes. So shout out solo trip travel yeah, travelers. Do Don't be scared. Just do it. Do it. Me and Nile's done it, and we, and we came back alive in one piece. You can go, you can go, you can go Mexico, but um, but back. So back. Well, yeah, we're coming. We 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 around. So we was we was talking about um, I guess your journey from going from sports being a strength conditioning coach yeah. and then into sales. So you called your mate. London. Yeah, so I got the job. Yeah, yeah, and then um, what job was it? So just a recruiter. Okay. Um, a, a company um, called Wiser, and um, yeah, like just I, even that environment, working in that environment was just so different. The culture there was unbelievable. Really, um, like it was at the time when I joined. I think the average age was around twenty four years old or something. It's like even the CEO at the time was like twenty seven and twenty eight, and the founders, you know. So it was just like people because I had a lot of friends in the fitness world and they were going oh you're going to have an office job office job uh, you're not going to like an office job this one like a normal office job it was just completely different I think when people think office jobs you think corporate yeah Dell computer headset it was different no MacBooks if, open plan yeah you know AirPods people walking around um, lots of like initiatives in terms of the business and stuff like it was just a yeah vibe. just a vibe and that that business was um, yeah was the Kickstarter to my to my recruitment life. Okay. Um, so yeah, I just had a really success, successful for years there. The first year, to be honest, was really tough. And I think it was an adjustment from being, my normal conversations <laughs> for so many years was in a gym or is it just a sport, you know? But then you have to start speaking to people in more of a commercial way. You have to understand, you have to take information in and hold that information and use it in sale in selling. It was just com- it was just all very new to me. And yeah. I'm not. Re- I was never really a salesy person. Even when I was a PT on the business side, I'd love to go back and edge and tell myself a little bit more about the business side yeah. of like when I was a PT because I used to be like, yeah, well, um, yeah, I do personal training and um, yeah, if you're, if you're interested, <laughs> my, 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 my cards over there. Yeah, want to sign up? There's other PTs over there as well. And um, yeah, but like, <laughs> so I wasn't over salesy, and I, I took that kind of approach into recruitment, and you can't be like that. No, you've got. To be, and I'm not saying I'm an over salesy recruiter because the right job has to be for the right person yeah. and the right candidates for the right business as well. Yeah, so you have to be smart there. And I, I did find I was pretty good at that in the beginning, knowing what good looks like. But whether we're locking somebody in and getting that into locked in and making the process flow nicely for them to get a job, that took a while. And um, yeah, I guess after year two, I, I kind of got that confidence. Mm. And then, um, yeah, I had a really, really excelled. So how have you, or how did you manage to identify a really standout sales professional? Yeah. Um, there's a few things. There's a few things like, one of the first things is like LinkedIn. Like that's the first thing I'm seeing. Really? You go on the LinkedIn? Everything's LinkedIn. Yeah. I'd spend 90% of my life on LinkedIn. Well, okay. I've spent my job on LinkedIn. Um, and if your LinkedIn isn't looking good, then Ooh. so it's a smart about you, you know? Oh, that's judgmental. I mean by that is it's not you just your picture. <laughs> I, know, I hate it's, you. The layout, does are the are the, are the icons there where you've worked? You know, did, is your bio there? Is things up to date? Like these things are very simple, and recruiters are looking at this first because mm. CVs we get that later on. Some businesses don't even use CVs anymore. Mm. If you've got a really good relationship with your clients, sometimes you don't have to send a CV. Mm. They just back your judgment. Mm. Um, but like LinkedIn's the first thing, so get your LinkedIn right, mm. and then it's like okay, let me have a look. And then ten years, obviously important. You can't be seen that you've gone from one company to another company year and year because it's like in sales, you normally get a quota, you get a target. And if you've got a target for a year and you've left after a year, usually there's a period of time where you're training and you're ramping up, which is like getting towards your main target. Mm. That usually lasts three to six months. Mm. If you've left after a year, what have you actually done? Is that what you think? What have you done? What have you achieved? In some businesses, it's right. because there's some certain, certain circumstances. If they work for a startup and it's not ready, um, you know, if there's lots of changes in the business, then sometimes it makes sense to make a uh, right decision to leave. But the thing is, leaving the jobs, because the, so the reason why I count that is I'm jumpy. Yeah. I'm a jumpy person. So leaving jobs can be for so many different reasons. It's that's not what? It's not always based on performance. No, I was get, and that's what I'll get into. So okay, like, I think there's many reasons why. And, and, it does, and I speak to people a lot, especially in the world that I'm in, where most businesses are early stage. Mm. Lots of changes can happen. The product isn't ready. The manager's left, don't know who you joined, or the mm. manager's not who you thought it was. Mm. Um, 
the, the, the setup of the business isn't there. So I, I get it. I back it. Mm. Like make a smart decision for yourself. Mm. But in, but also I've got a thing as a recruiter, I'm putting you in front of my client as well. Mm. And the client may have a, um, they may want to see certain things from that candidate. And if they don't pick, tick those boxes, I'm not going to, I can't do anything. So you know? would you not, if you met a candidate that was really good in conversation and they had a bit of a questionable LinkedIn and CV, but they were good in conversation, yeah. you wouldn't back them and sell them I've to, done it, yeah, to and the it client? Yeah, I've done it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 100%. The candidate, like, that's the problem with, I think, I guess, with us recruiters sometimes um, is it's always face value. So like looking at that profile and thinking, nah, because you are kind of telling the story with your LinkedIn. And if that story doesn't look good, then it's most of the time I'm right. Most of the time we're right. Most of the time we're right. Do you, do you know what? Sometimes Go it's on. good to speak to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you also have to be careful of your time. Time, yeah, 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 yeah. People yeah. thinking, let me give her, him or her a chance. Do you know what? I think it depends on the role because there's certain roles. For example, when I've hired like PPC or like paid search roles, they're scarce. They're really hard to find good people for. Mm. So if I see a profile that's a bit outdated, it's not up to scratch, I will still speak to them. Mm. And um, then I would advise them to update their, their LinkedIn. But I know that they're probably not getting a lot of calls. So yeah. I'll try my best. Sometimes it's burnt me. Sometimes it's worked. Mm-hmm. But you, you got to try. Yeah. You know? So what, I guess, what is it about the whole process of getting tech, I guess, people into tech sales roles? What is it about that that makes you buzz or that you like or maybe you don't enjoy it that much you're just doing it for the no, sake no, of I it no no I do really enjoy it and I, and I found that I enjoyed it from the beginning recruitment's one of those things where people get into it they fall into it mm. and um, a lot of people get out of it after a year or two because it's not right for them but luckily for me I really enjoyed it and I think that makes me good at it because I enjoy what I'm doing uh, and I'm always looking for ways to be better um, and I think that sets a good recruit from the other like they actually enjoy it so for me when it comes to tech sales um I think I like tech sales because the candidate, first of all, the candidates I'm speaking to on a daily basis are quite similar to me or quite similar to people who think like in, in the sort of commercial kind of entrepreneurial world, if you're in a sales role, you probably do think and have quite a few um, similar characteristics to myself. And like- Like people, what? What are the characteristics? It's like driven, driven okay. and always thinking about taking on feedback yeah. or like, um, you know, how can you do things better? And, um, you know, being on top of things. So like when I'm booking a candidate in who's a good salesperson, you know, they'll be they'll be like, okay, what time's the interview? And I'm like, yes, yeah, this time, this time. And it's like, okay, what's the agenda? And I'm like, the agenda. And it's like, I feel comfortable in sending that person in because they're on top of things. Right. Whereas when you deal with like a graduate, for example, who's just very like, oh, I just want to find a job. You're trying to help them through the process and they're not interested because it's like, they don't have that commercial awareness or they're not driven yet or they don't know how important it is to how you come across to a recruiter to get... There's loads of things. You sound impatient now. Like, you... Like, from, from this conversation so far, all I get is impatience. No, I'm, it not, now. I'm, not, I'm not impatient. You want, you want to see it happening because no, graduates got patience I think it's, it's, it's action. I like action. Yeah. So people that take action is what I like. I like that. So right. Like, I think when people don't take action... Yeah. It's like when you message a candidate or you say, send me a CV or right. send me your email address and they don't send it. It's like... Well, then you're not inter- you can't be that interested in a job. If you yeah. really want something, you t- tend to take action, right? And yeah. I think that's what's good about like recruitment and also good like yeah. candidates is judging like how much action they take in the process. And if they are taking action and they're following up and they want to take a call after an interview with you, mm. then it's like, that's a good candidate because mm. we're in this together. I want to help you find a job. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you told you've come to me and said you want this. I've got this. Mm. You know, then well let's let's work together to free, to get you to that point where you've got that job. You know, and and we, I've made that placement. Um, it's no secret that obviously I want you to make the job because it's helping me in like my business, mm. but I'm also helping you get get your dream job as well, you know? So like okay. take action. And I, so I guess that's, okay. what, that's, that's what I like about that's fair. The, the role and the people that I work with. That's fair. So you can work with a graduate as long as they're following your instructions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love and working with graduates. Like that's okay. what Black Tech Sales Network's done for. It's opened up doors speaking to young people and I love that. And I get okay. more passionate about anything when I'm speaking to a young person about tech sales. Okay. So you ask the question, like, what is it about tech sales that, I think you ask this, what is it about tech sales that I like? But, yeah. And then why I want people to get yeah. into it? Because I think it's one of those industries where there's a lower barrier to entry. You don't right. need a lot of, you don't need any experience to get into tech sales. You could be, you could have done anything. You could have, you could have done a geography degree, you could have done a English degree, a sports degree. Um, 
if you've got the characteristics of being like, you know, very driven, you know, like to speak to people, you take them feedback, um, you're money driven, you know, you got goal orientated, you, you can definitely get into tech sales. And I think like there's people making mad money in tech sales. Let's let's talk figures. Like if if there's graduates or even anyone, I guess, okay, fig- so, figuring out careers. So, so, so like the steps to getting into tech sales. Okay. So usually you get in at a SDR level. So what? SDR is a sales development representative. Okay. That's usually the first sales role you get into in tech. Okay. Now that person is responsible for opening the doors. They would take the phone calls. They would do the emails. They might do videos. It's all about getting that business interested in what you're selling. Mm. And then they would pass that opportunity on to a more senior salesperson. For a sales development representative, the salary is going to be between nowadays, when I first got in the industry, you're looking at between sort of 21 and 30K. Mm. Mm. That's moved now. You're looking at a good SDR job now out of university, 28 to 35 grand. That's brilliant for university. Plus commission. Okay. Plus commission between 10 and 15K, sometimes 20K on top. So you see there already, you could be on 50K, 55K, first year at university. If you're good, if you're hitting your target. That's really good. Really good. And you do that for like a year or 18 months or two years. And then you go into an account executive role. Mm. And that was the position. That's who you pass the opportunities on. Now the account executive is responsible for, they still do the prospect and do the new business stuff, right. but they're responsible for closing the deal. Mm. Yeah. Now they're on 50, between like 45, 50 to 60K. And, and that's still decent for like- That's great, it, but then you get double commission at that point. So if you hit your target, you get that on top again. Right, I see. You see there after two years or two and a half years, yeah, you could yeah. be on six, you could be on a six figure package. In two years. In two years. So basically everyone in BTSN is rich. Uh, it's where the money resides in No, because not, 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 not everyone is, um, they all will be rich. Yeah, but it sounds like that second level is decent Is decent money. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and it, all it takes, even the first one is, is it's decent. decent money, yeah. Yeah, and I think um, it's, like a, it's like a best kept secret. I feel like when I speak to young people about this, they're looking at me and they're like, what, 100 grand? Two years out of uni? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. If you're good. Also, things have to go right for you. You have to run a fi- run, find the right business. You know, sometimes you might be in a sales development representative role for a bit longer. Yeah. So what I was saying is, um, yeah, I don't think they, like when I speak to young people about these opportunities, um, they they look at me like I'm, like I'm crazy. But like I was saying, I think it's, like what I was saying is it's the best kept secret mm. in like the, in the, commer- in, the, in the professional world, like sales. And I think what the stigma is across young people when it comes to sales is like sleazy car sales, used car sales person, but it's completely different. So yeah, so... You know, as account executive, you could be on 50, 60K base and then you get a double, double commission and okay. then you get more experience. And that's when you, there's people in BTSN who have got four or five years experience and they're on 90K base and then they'll get 90K on top of the basic if they hit target. 180K, 200K bit, 200K package, you know? Okay. So um, that's what I'm passionate about. Because it's because I think with me, like I had a really good experience in recruitment, did really well. Mm. And uh, it's when I go back home and I see friends who are in like, um, you know, just just uh, not with that well paid jobs. And it's like we went to the same school. We talk about the same stuff. If anything, you might be smarter than me. But I just all I did was to get my, take, took myself out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and um, went into an environment where it's more better, better money and, and just more more opportunities. And that's what I think about sales as well. It's like, um, you know, you don't have to be that in, the most intelligent person. You don't have to have like the best grades. Mm. Just be driven and you learn along the way as well. So in regards to tech, I know that the product variation is really, really wide as to mm-hmm. what type of tech. What would you say are like the best type of tech companies to target or tech and um, products to target to sell? Uh, I wouldn't say there is a best one. No? No, no, no. I wouldn't say a best one. Um, so many different types. There's software for HR teams, there's software for sales teams, there's software for marketing teams, there's software for finance teams, there's software for legal teams, there's IT software. You think of a business now, a big business or yeah, any business really, the the tech businesses now because everything Mm. operates in tech. So that's what's changing. Mm. Like everything is come away from like Excel or paper because they're using software now and it's all up in the cloud. So SaaS, have you heard of SaaS before? Software as a sales? Software as a service, sorry. Software as a sales. Um, so 
that's what that's what's happening. And that's why you see so many opportunities in tech because there's always somebody creating a new software for different things. Okay. A new podcast software, you know? A new lighting software that makes the lights turn off from like your, your Mac and just loads of things. So there's not one yeah. best thing. It depends on what you're interested in because what I always tell like young people, especially if you've studied like, um, like marketing mm. and you're interested in marketing, mm. do, do MarTech. Or if you've done legal tech, there's a couple of people in Black Tech Sales Network who did law degrees, mm. realised that maybe being a solicitor or, um, what's the one before that? Um, a trainee solicitor? Yeah, or what's that? Um, mm. Is that the word? I can't remember. I don't know. I can't remember the name. We don't know. It's okay, it's okay. It's like when they come out of the union and do that. Anyway. The graduate, graduate program? I don't know. I don't know. Don't worry about anyway, it. Anyway, um, <laughs> they've gone into legal roles, legal tech roles. So they've right, got an interest, they understand right. it but they're on the tech side. And if you ask me, they're probably going to have a better career. Because they understand that side of it. Nah, just because it's tech. Right, like, I see. Be, all right, my mum's a lawyer, my mum's a solicitor. So right. she had a really successful year, a career, but I think just that those industries there, like uh, the law industry, the finance, they're all still mm. quite old school. Yeah, they are right. changing, but they're still quite old school. Yeah. So why not use your expertise in that field and get into more of a um, modern day culture where you work while remote the office is cool um you go to work in a t-shirt rather than a suit mm, you, know, you wear mm. shorts if you want you know slides to work i love all when yeah, yeah, cheeky sliders to work all that's that. my thing but um okay okay so let's go get on to i guess btsn then so mm -hmm. why i know you mentioned that you saw trends or you yeah. noticed things yeah so like um as i said live most of my time on linkedin when i'm um when I'm doing my work and just obvious from the beginning really that there's not many black people in these roles. I'm scrolling through, don't see any black faces. Mm. Um, I'm placing candidates, I don't place any black people. Mm -mm. Um, and going back to what I was thinking about, going back to what I said before about me being successful, um, it was like, well, why didn't no one tell me about this? And why aren't my friends knowing about this? Or why are people growing up Mm. Um, from areas like Huddersfield or like inner city areas in London, why are they? Why that they know about these opportunities? Mm. And I, I think that's the biggest problem, by the way. I think it's awareness of oh, these opportunities. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. So like, yeah, I guess I've always scratched my head thinking, why are we not in these roles? Why are we not getting these opportunities? And, yeah. and then I did realize it is an awareness thing. So that led me on to thinking about, well, how can we do something about this? And um, yeah going back to right at the start of the podcast, I said is 2020. Um, I was actually furloughed. Um, didn't make sense for us to work. No one was hiring anyone. Mm. Um, so I was furloughed, but I didn't want to just spend that time doing nothing. So I thought using it as an opportunity to to start something. And actually, like I said, I started putting the the foundations of Black Tech Sales Network together like in 2019. I started- <laughs> Oh, so you've, you actually planned for this to be- Not like this. I'd, it just. At my old company, we did like events. Right. And I was going to do an event for like diversity in tech sales. Right, right. But two things, didn't feel confident enough. Second thing, what's an event going to do? People come along, they clap, they nod the head. Right. There's right. no action. Yeah. Um, so I actually started building a list of like just candidates or people I've spoken to who are in black, who are black people in those roles. Mm. Um, and actually, um, so I just got on LinkedIn looking for people. It was funny, just like search through LinkedIn. Oh, you're black. Write your name down and do that. Mm. And then I messaged them all one day saying, oh, I'm thinking about starting a community. Would you be interested in joining it? And everyone was like, yeah, yeah, I'm interested. Um, so it literally just started off like that, like WhatsApp group, like 50 people or something. Um, there was no real, like there was kind of a mission to increase representation of black people in tech sales, but that's quite broad. Yeah, I've learned so much along the way, even learning now. Mm. A lot of it's just, I wouldn't say I've um, blagged it, but I never ran a community before. You know, I'm not really part of like communities. I'm part of the black community, but I'm not part of communities, if you know what I mean. Mm -mm. I'm not normally one to join like the recruitment community or mm -mm. stuff like that, I'm not that sort of person. Mm. Um, so yeah, it just started off just gradually and just gradually grew. The more people you get into it, the more you think, well, how can I deliver value back to all these people? Mm. Um, then you start thinking about, can't this be a community, can't this be a network of people or a, 
um, a WhatsApp chat. It needs to be more than that. So you start thinking about different things. Then we had like students as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just gradually got grew. And I was lucky because Wiser let me be an entrepreneur, I guess, with Black Tech Sales Network. Mm. Um, because, um, yeah, they kind of left me to it. Obviously, I got the support from different part- departments. And, um, yeah, it just grew to what it was. And then, yeah, just... And and then I took Black Tech Sales Network forward. Right. Recently, um, as my own sort of community now and, and started Pursue Talent. So just to take it back, mm-hmm. right, go on. Yeah, go on. For anyone that's watching, listening and think wants to get involved in Black Tech Sales Network, is there a requirement, apart from obviously having an interest in tech sales, mm-hmm. um, for them to join? Mm-hmm. How do they join? Um, and what value do you offer to the community? Yeah, so there's no requirement. Obviously, like you said, there's no point joining if you're not interested in the topics or the... Um, yeah, the people that are going to be in there because mm. you want to be network with them for a reason. Mm. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in commercial roles in tech sales, because I guess the sales world can also put people off sometimes. There's more. There's more roles in in the commercial world. So what they call it is go to market. So a go to market role mm. is basically a role where you're responsible for revenue or growing the business. Mm. So there's also people in like customer success roles, which are responsible mm. for like existing business. They don't sell. There's more relationship. Mm. Same with account management. They kind of sell, but also. Um, uh, relationship there's mm. also people in techie, techie sales roles which aren't necessarily selling mm. so like, there's different commercial roles and that's what you've got in Black Tech Sales Network so if anyone's interested in those sorts of positions customer facing um, you know negotiating that sort of stuff then yeah you can join and you join at the moment it's going to change but you can join through our LinkedIn page okay you'll see a link there you just sign up from there okay but we're building a website where that will okay and, and then they, they'll be able to and then up. I reach out and I say hey uh, Thanks for joining Black Sales Network, and I send you the link to the Slack. Okay, okay. You join the Slack, and that's when. And then the value that you said, that's what. Does that's always. I'm always working on that, so it's always front of mind. Like what we're doing, are we doing enough um, for the members? Mm. Remember, I spoke to you about that the other day, and I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's just hard always to know. because I think you can overthink it sometimes as well. Yeah. Because end of the day, like, and I have to tell myself this a lot as well with the network that, yeah. I am the founder of it and I want to do facilitate mm. and make sure people are getting value, but they also have to do something themselves as well. If, yeah. if, if they don't want to go to bowling tonight or if they don't want to go and meet, come to a networking event, then yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm not going to force you to come along yeah. to it. Yeah. If, if there's a mentor program and I've asked people to sign up to it and I've put the sheet in the Slack group a number of times um, and you don't want to sign up for it, that's cool. Yeah. I'm not going to push it. And I, said, I think in the beginning, that's what I used to get a bit thinking, why are people doing this? Or why, are people, why are people doing that? Yeah. Well, they've got their own time. Do you know what? It's crazy because I have these thoughts often as well. Like sometimes you might put an initiative out there or a post out there or something out there and you don't get the expected yeah. response. And it can be discouraging. I'm, I'm here to tell you guys, it can be very discouraging. Can be, yeah. But I don't know what it is. Like what you said, I then just switch and say, someone's engaging with it. This mm. added value to someone. And as I've continued to push over time, like even like with the event that I did over summer, I was like, let me just see who comes. And it ended up being really, really good. Like yeah. I didn't expect, I had no expectation. I think sometimes the, one you do, the ones you don't expect are some of the best ones. Yeah, I was yeah. like, let me just see what happens. Let me put my best foot forward and hopefully people just come yeah. and vibe. And, and that's what happens. And I'm planning a, a Black History Month event. And in my head, I'm thinking it's a bigger venue. Mm. I hope people come. Oh my gosh, it's the pressure. Yeah. But it's like if they, they do, don't. they do. Yeah, they, they don't, yeah. they don't. No, do you know I mean, what I mean? So like I've had to, I've had to be like that a lot, and especially with like webinars. Like I, I really don't like webinars at the moment. Really, I, I don't mind them, but they have to have a real purpose behind it. Because in the beginning with Black Tech Sales Network, we were doing lots of webinars and sessions. <laughs> Your face is so. Like, you're like, oh yeah, it's just. <laughs> Would I go, like, some of them, would I have gone to them? And I get it why no. people are coming to them. But that was because it was COVID. Yeah. And we couldn't do anything else. You have to try and keep people engaged as much as possible. Um, so if we do webinars now, there's a reason, you know, people come along and it's like actually going to help them with their careers and stuff. Um, yeah. Rather than just someone, you know, just, I don't want to say too much because obviously people delivered those webinars and they were good. But I feel like people have got Zoom fatigue. And I think like- hundred, And I think like- another webinar it's like nah I did I remember one there was was it 2020 I did a what's like a zoom meetup for black create connect never again Mm. like it was just it was just a bit like mm, Mm. mm. Like, it was just 
no, it, I've, it was. I've, a we've thing. had some really good webinars though, and um, I think there's a lot of value in them because obviously we've got uh, members in the US now as well. Yeah, and obviously they can't come to our socials, so there's a lot of value in. But we're just, I'm just careful now of what the topic is. Yeah. That valuable yeah. so like delivering value is all about like well, I think the first thing is just our main mission is just bring people together yeah so like that's why we have the socials and we've got the slack so we're bringing black people together in commercial roles in tech yeah um, and sales roles in tech and then the value is you know you learn from each other yeah um, so our values are educate celebrate elevate Mm. So you're educating yourself, whether it's from the webinars or from the sessions that we put on socials. Mm. Um, you're celebrating, we're celebrating each other. So we're shouting each other out, mm. making sure we're giving each other, lifting each other up. Mm. And then also we're um, elevating each other, kind of similar. Mm. But it's also like, if you do need help with getting this job and can I help you mm. get this, you know what I mean? So I love that. There's, um, there's a number of different ways that the community can help each other out. Obviously, I, like I said, I have to facilitate a little bit, but. Like it's never felt better. It's never felt better now. It but I'm good. always thinking about the value. Like yeah, I'm always thinking yeah. like, like if no one talks for a day in the network, I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> could, could I, I think, know, like, I know. You know, but. as 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 sometimes almost like on a um it's weird because as much as I want people to connect and everything and have a good time and add va have value from it, there's also slight policing you have to do yeah. as well that I, I found that I've had okay. to do because mine's predominantly on a WhatsApp group. So I've got basically 400 people in a WhatsApp group right now, mm -hmm. which is a lot, right? So I'm very delicate with how often people be, you know, messaging and doing private conversations in the chat. Mm -hmm. So I've had to do like, hey, it's all love, but do you mind just messaging directly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because everyone's getting these messages. Even I have to mute the chat yeah. because it goes off like constantly throughout the day. So I guess- That's why we moved to Slack. Yeah. The, the thing Slack. is I try to, but I haven't successfully done it. Like we've, we've done it. We have it there, but everyone just joins the WhatsApp group. Yeah. So both the links are out there, but people just join well, the WhatsApp group. That's what we had to be made a decision one or the other. Really? Involved, that's what we had. We had a lot of people like, putting messages in WhatsApp group. But then there's, at the time then, like we only had like 100 people in WhatsApp, but it was like 200 people on Slack. You know, so that's why it yeah. makes sense. I've got majority of people on WhatsApp and I've got- Get them across. Less on Slack. But I do get it with WhatsApp yeah. because we actually got more engagement through WhatsApp, especially at the beginning. But um, it's also like, it's just pinging off your phone, isn't it? And yeah. it's pinging off like all the time and people ain't got time to wear Slack. You can kind of go in there and re revisit it. But our members wanted Slack and you have to listen to the so, members. Yeah. So. Hopefully I can get it onto that at some point and mm -hmm. I can, and like yourself, I'm trying to figure out ways to like build up value and programs and etc. Yeah. <sighs> so I still be coming to you now as yeah. the usual. Yeah. Well, like, we'll like, <laughs> yeah. And all a few weeks back. If, and if there's something that's worked for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, now this is sick. Yeah. You should do it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, that's the same way you're about kind of celebrating others and connecting people and you know getting more opportunities for the community um, I feel the same yeah. Do you, have you ever had anyone say to you oh how come you're just focusing on black people or black professionals um, or have you not had that um, can't, couple cop, co uh, comments on that like LinkedIn and stuff but I just think that's like I did a post a few weeks back um, did really well actually my most about 1700 likes Okay, yeah, LinkedIn influencer. Yeah, yeah, like went viral. Uh, okay, what did you say on the on the post? It was just about my journey. Actually, it was about kind of what we spoke about before. Okay. Like, um, you know, when I first got into tech sales, uh, so when I got recruitment, wasn't many black people. Well, there wasn't many black people in the office really. Right. Um, and also like wasn't speak to many black people in talent pools. Um, so I started like you know trying to be someone else, I guess. Whilst I was talking to people, or whilst I was in my work, and it can it worked, but. I was also never that comfortable. I wasn't, wasn't being myself, mm. you know? And it took Blacktic Sales Network for me to feel more comfortable mm. with people mm. because, uh, or being myself, sorry, mm. because I was seeing more black people. I was around them. I'd speak to them about how they are in their roles. And it made me think mm. like, well, nah, I can be authentic mm. and I can still be successful. Um, and that's what the post was and it did really well. So I think it was just, it's kind of a good story because I think a lot of black people go through that, especially when they go to businesses when it's, they're mainly the only black person. Well, that's the thing. Like I've, I'm even learning it now actually because I was recently made redundant for my role. So I'm focusing on what I'm like, Black Create Connect full time and everything. Mm. Um, but I have been doing interviews for roles that people have, have referred me to and I'm, I'm learning mm that I, for I forget that comp some companies are not there yet. Yeah. Like they're, like they're not 
able to take me as I am. Yeah. Like a lot of companies. Yeah. But so because I, I guess because also I've been surrounded by so, so much great positivity, amazing community. They uplift me daily. Like I need it too. So mm. they come, they really praise me and it's amazing. But when I go for interviews with companies, I forget, they don't know me. Mm-hmm. They don't know that I'm actually just, I'm just a cool person and mm-hmm. I can communicate with people at different levels, yeah. being myself. And they forget that. I actually had someone say, Alessia, have you, have you spoken with C-level sweet CC before? And I was, I was like, well, Yes, they're humans. I speak like a human. Mm. Because I don't come across how you expect me to come yeah. across, it doesn't mean I'm not able to do the job. And I feel like I forget that that stigma still yeah. exists. And it reminds me, we still need to do what we're doing. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be the same. You know, if, if I started interviewing, again, I was lucky in the business I was at, um, that it was quite an authentic business. I guess I still had to adjust myself a little bit. Mm. But um yeah, I think I'd still, I think I'd probably struggle with that because especially now the way I like to work is I like to, I like to get people on a friendship level as quick as possible. Yeah. I can't really deal with that corporate sort of stuff. Nah, like, it's not with, real though. I can't, I just can't do it. Like I don't work the best and yeah. even with a candidate or a client, I try to get my WhatsApp terms as quick as possible, yeah. make jokes and you know, that's just, yeah. it's, like you said, people. We're humans. Yeah, like, so, and they, they don't act like that when they're with their family. No, they don't. So why do we need to put this, obviously there's a professional way of working Mm. But we don't need to go into this like like full professional mode where we're just kind of like stiff and no, but we can have a conversation. Have, yeah, like so. There's a company that I recently accepted a, a DNI consultant role with um to support them with their DNI, right? And the reason why, even though they were offering the lowest, and mm-hmm. you're probably gonna frown at this because you're like, that's not out of all the other offers that I had, because they um. I was able to talk to them on the phone for weeks before even accepting the offer. Mm. Was able to go back and forth and discuss things. And these are the founders, yeah. and they're just and they're just real. That builds up a trust, though, doesn't it? So I know you you just said I don't. I would, I would always advise that. Like I'd yeah. rather take a lower salary or a lower income to then that's going to benefit you and your work. How much time do we spend at work? You know, people are miserable because of the time they spend exactly. at work. Exactly. It's because of the culture that they're working in. Yeah. But then there's some people, you can tell when someone works for a good company because it's just like, wake up in the morning and there's exactly. going and, and it does come from like top down a lot. Hundreds, like and stuff, hundreds. So. And I'll encourage people as well to find communities because I have found that being a part of a community or running a community, you get, uh, there's a different energy that, that you get from them. Mm. And sometimes when your working environment is a bit stiff, yep. at least you have that that's, to help That's you. what I want BTSN to be. Yeah. Because there's a lot of black people in BTSN who, like I said, may be the only black person in their team mm. or one of a few. Um, and maybe they can't have the conversations that they want to have with the people in the organization. Mm. Um, or they don't feel comfortable in doing that. BTSN should be the place where you come and come and do that. Yeah. And that's what I want BTSN to be. So if, yeah. if you're looking to get into the industry and you're and you not see many role models, you see them in BTSN. Yeah. Or if you already are in the industry and you're looking for more people who are in similar roles to you, who come from similar backgrounds to you, then mm. you've got BTSN. It yeah. should be that community where you just feel welcome yeah. in the industry. Yeah. Because um, lots of companies have ERGs now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like a- Some of them are active, so some of them are not. But. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it's like an ERG for everyone. Yeah. That's what ex- I wanted to see as- Exactly. So like it's Black Excels Network is the ERG for all black people in, in roles. And going back to your question about people um, saying, has anyone said- just for black people, even just for white people, black people. Like we've had sessions with white people because we, we can't, we're not going to succeed if we just was like, oh, it's just black only, you know? Mm. Um, I spoke to a regional director yesterday who's mm. who's a white male who wants to help Black Sales Network. And I'm like, come along because he's yeah. got a lot of experience that yeah. can benefit the network. Yeah. When it comes to mentors, at the moment, the mentor program is just within Black Sales Network. But I want to open it up eventually where yeah. there's people who want to help black people yeah. be a mentor. So then, you, then you're a part of the network then, yeah, you know? Yeah. So like, I, just, yeah. I think when you do see a black tech sales network on LinkedIn, you think, oh, oh. you have to black to be in it. Yeah. But um, no, it's definitely open to people from all backgrounds yeah. and all races because um, event, because we do need each other to, to get where we want to be. hundred percent. And like, you know, like what you said as well, because people have asked me the same thing. And I think allies, like if you're an ally yeah. of, our, of our community, if you can help to uplift us or provide an opportunity, whatever it is, you're in, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's, that's why 2020 was so good. Like, I know amazing. There's been, I know there's been like, um, you know, protests and um, this sort of thing in the past, but 2020 was different, I feel, because I think a lot of people opened their eyes. A lot of people was like looking within as well, saying, I haven't done enough. Exactly. Um, and you still get a few people now who 
said a lot of stuff in 2020 who haven't done anything to back it up. But there are a lot of people that, that, that was an eye opener for them. And you mm. do get a lot more allies now. It's like, I want to help. I understand more. Mm. Um, and I don't know what it was about 2020 where it just made people understand. Yeah. yeah, just made people understand a bit more what's what's happening. There was a huge ever since twenty twenty, me and Bammy started doing like diversity and inclusion training sessions and workshops. The amount of inquiries we didn't have to do new, new business. Mm. Like there were so many people that was like, "Oh, can we can you learn more about anti racism mm. or about inclusive behaviors?" And yeah. you know these small, simple things that we've probably wanted for years. Twenty twenty was the time that yeah. you know maybe it was because we were COVID and people. It was else. a mixture of things though. It was COVID, it was George Floyd, Meghan Markle, remember that yeah, interview yeah. came out yeah, as well yeah. and that was massive mm. as well. There were so many different elements, the Black Lives Matter campaign. Um, and also we had more time. That's what I mean. So I think people was more locked in because of yeah. to do so. It's almost perfect. Exactly, exactly. So I guess lastly, let's talk about pursued talent. So mm. what 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 made you to come, I guess, move away from Wiser and do your own thing? Black Tech Sales Network was a big thing. So okay. I got confident in feeling like a bit of a business owner with yeah. BTSN. Um, like just creating structure, mm. trying things, failing, going back to the drawing board, you know, rolling a new initiative out, it working, okay, this worked and have repeatable processes. It just felt like I was running a business alongside my role at Wiser. Um, and... Yeah, I just felt like, you know what it was? So there's a couple of things as well. The end of last year, I did this thing called 75 Hard. What is that? So it's this, uh, 75 Hard is you do, I try to remember it all. So you do uh, two workouts a day, two 45 minutes workouts a day. One's got to be outside. Um, could be a walk, but like you got to exercise twice a day. You got to follow a diet. I did a vegan diet for, 40, for 75 days. You've got to um, read 10 pages of a book every day of like a self-help book, not like a, a fiction book. Yeah. Um, what else is it? What else is it? Let me try to remember it all. Um, you have to take a progress picture every day. Um, 75 days? Yeah. It's basically the whole year almost. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Seven and a half. <laughs> okay, someone's bad at maths. I was joking, guys. I'm joking. There's 300 and something. There. I've, yeah. <laughs> but I was so locked. I probably forgot some. What else was it? Anyway, I was so locked in. Like you self, did it every day? For myself, yeah. And I completed it. I never complete things like that. That's amazing. I completed it. And I was just so focused on myself for like 75 days. Oh, no alcohol. That's another one. That was the biggest one. That's the biggest one. Did, so what, what What impact did you notice on your mental, your physical, everything? Best thing I've ever done. Even really? now I feel the impact of that. And I advise anyone, anyone to do it. It's hard. And I know people have tried it. And I know people have failed it. But I also know a few people have done it since I did it. Um, and they all say the same thing. It's just that self-focus and focusing on yourself. Reading you the first. books, you yeah. know, like saying, you're not going out on nights out. It's like, you know, focus on the books and following that diet. And even like, it's a men it's supposed to be a mental challenge. It's not a physical challenge. So you don't, the workouts have to be intense or anything. You don't have to lose weight. Um, it's more of like a mental focus. And that's what happened. So I was, over that time, I was just locked in. So focused on like what I wanted and what I needed. Mm. And then so that would that played a big part. And throughout that, obviously, I read books and listened to audio books. Mm. Um, Any of you'd recommend? Yeah, the book that actually made me think. Uh, Naval Naval Rav Ravi Ravikant, I think it's yeah Naval Ravikant. I pronounce it. Um, and the book. What's it called? Ta yeah, type it in. It's called Type in Naval. What's the book called? This book was the reason I, I set business up. N a v e l. And then R-A-V, his name should drop down. Ravikant. That's it. Then type in his book. His book. Okay. It's called. Books. Oh, it is crypto. This, okay. The Alamak. The Alamak of, yeah. What's that about? That's just him because he does a lot of like Twitter feeds, like post one after the other. And he talks about that. And he just, he's just talking about loads of like advice. And then he, he said well, something in the book about like being your being an owner, owning equity in a business, and it just like uh, what I was going on walks all the time. And I was listening to that, and it like that was my friend Omar told me to listen to it. Shout out to Omar, he told me to listen to that, mm. and um, yeah, that that was a that was a game changer. So there was like a few things. It was combining like mm. BTSN. It was seventy five hard. It was reading books. It was listening to that but that audio book. Mm. Where I was just like, why not now? Yeah, you know? yeah everything was going really well in my own company nothing mm. was nobody saw it coming 
because I was still performing well. Mm. Um, still one of the top performers, but- the Best time to leave though, you know? I just got comfortable as well. Yeah. I felt like I'm in the near years time, I'll still be doing this. I'll still be doing, being comfortable. Um, and we get one life, you know? So That's you, it. And, you I just, and, and that, even all of that, that yeah. 25 hard and stuff, it made you realize yeah. you, you just, you only got one chance. And it's just, yeah. I met a few people who I know have set up and it didn't seem like as big as a, as a big deal as I thought. And once you start getting this frame, it's like when you start interviewing for a new job, you start going, that's oh, real now, I'm leaving. But it was the same with me. It was like, I started speaking to people who have set up, set up a business. I've started putting plans in. I'm starting thinking about the budget, sorry, the, the, how much it would cost and stuff. And and you're like, this is real. And you slowly yeah. get into it and it's like, yeah. Did you go through any waves of emotions? Like when you're kind of thinking about, okay, this is, cause I'm actually relying on me now. Yeah, me yeah, to yeah. Do the work to Well, get at the beginning it was very just exciting. Really? And then obviously it got more real once like I handed my notice in and stuff. Massive, just a huge shift in life, just leaving. Things didn't end as well as it would have, I could have, what I wanted it to my last company. But I'm not going to let the last three months uh, make me forget about what happened over the four years before that. Like mm. almost four, four, four years. I was there for four years and 11 months. Mm. So the four years and nine months I was there before, mm. there's no way I'm going to let that impact it because that mm. changed me as a person. I wouldn't be sat here right now with Black Tech Sales Network, Pursue Talent, without that experience I had in mm. that business. Mm. Um, so when it came to me finishing there, that was huge, like huge. Mm. Like mm. I've lost friends. I think I've actually lost friends from leaving there, yeah, from how it ended. Um, it's just mad, but had to make that decision. And I think that's when people don't make these decisions because th there's a lot of things, there's a lot of stakes. There's, stakes are high when you'd make these big decisions, when there's mm. people that are quite important in your life. And mm. and um, it's like anyone setting up a business, it might, you know, people might want them to go down a certain um, way in life, their mum and dad, but they'd take like another angle. Stephen Bartlett talks about, talks about it in one of his podcasts or when he did, I went to see him live. And so thought, did I. How did you find it? Yeah, I, I thought it was sick. I thought it was sick, thought it was sick as well. And yeah. I thought, um, and he told his mum he was setting a business up. Yeah. And she didn't take it well. Yeah. Um, because people see, see you going down a certain path of life. So yeah, when I left there, that was big. But once I had that in, I noticed it was like, right, that's a step. That's one step done. Now let's move on to the next step of, of actually setting the company up. So yeah. Um, but yeah, pursue talents. Just I'm doing the same sort of roles in recruitment as I did at um, a wiser. Probably why I didn't end well. <laughs> but, um, do, do, um, do you have anyone else working with you? You, you started for now? Just me for now. Yeah. Um, so the plan is to get to a position where I can make hires um, soon. But also in, in a way I'm like, do I need to rush to make hires? No, do I want to go to Mexico and take my laptop and work, you know, from there? Because managing people is a whole different game. That's it. I speak to recruiters now who've yeah. got teams and they go, oh, I wish I was by myself. So it's like, just I'm going to be careful of the next few months. I'm not just rushing to one thing at a time because- yeah. Maybe I want to enjoy being a self, you know, self-employed yeah. and just, you know, yeah. maybe the business won't go as, as fast paced and, and grow as high as I thought. Mm -mm. But is that a bad thing? This isn't, this isn't, this isn't a five year project. This is 10, 20 years, you know? Yeah, so what's two years of not rushing? I don't know. So I'm, I'm still thinking about that. But I feel you though, because I, I, again, I have the similar thought process processes when I'm going through like business plans and what I want to do next and I have all these ideas and I think Alyssa you don't need to do it all now no. because at one point I was stressing thinking I need to do this 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 and I had to stop myself and say who is telling you you need to do everything yeah. at one time you're telling yourself that well, it's, it's yourself and it's, it's a good thing um, but it's crazy too <laughs> because yeah. I'd be up at midnight saying I need yeah, to finish yeah, this yeah, yeah. and I my friend's like for what I posted a link in a few days ago and it was like you can't do everything you because can't. you want to do everything and um, I think the good thing about being a business owner as well, like you can do everything if you want to, like you think you can, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So I'm going to do that because it's your own business. You feel like you can, maybe if you're working for someone, they might go, oh, we're not ready for that yet. Mm. But when it's your own, you, you feel more inclined to, mm. or you feel like you're able to do everything. Mm. Um, but that gets dangerous because you can take too much on. Mm. Um, then you get stressed and then you don't perform your best in any area. Yeah. Yeah. It exactly. just has a knock on effect. Yeah. So, so like, yeah. So for companies that probably would have worked with you at Pursue Talent, um, mm -hmm. is there any particular message you want to say to them? Is there any USP you want to talk about? Or are you just like, no? Nah. Yeah, I think the US the USP, but a lot of recruitment companies will say this, but we find the best talent and the best sales talent. And um, I think that is like a lot of businesses do focus on that. I think I generally, if you ask all the people at my old business, mm. I didn't have to send loads and loads of candidates mm. 
to be successful. It was maybe just a few because I knew what good looks like. And I feel like that's what culture that I want to build for Pursue Talent mm. is we know what good looks like. Mm-mm. We know what um, what high performing candidate looks like or someone who fits your culture. Mm. Um, and I think hopefully I can make that, like like I said, something part of the culture at Pursue Talent as I hire people. Um, because then you, you're helping, these business that we're working with, the hires that they're making, it's very crucial that they get them right. They don't want to go through two or three or four people to see if, before they get the right hire. It might be the VP of sales. It might be the, you know, the first salesperson. So it needs to be right. So I think like that's what I'm very good at, and that's what Pursue Talent is going to be very good at. Okay. And make, choose the right company, but also we've got Blattic Sales Network as well. No other network, no other recruitment company has a network of 600 black commercial black sales professionals. Mm. So like um, a lot of businesses say they focus on diversity, but do they? You know, whereas that's a talent pool for me. I'm not going to be messaging Black Sales Network members all the time and saying, hey, I've got this job. But when they're looking for a job, they tend to come to me. So that's, that's another good thing. So question, you mentioned that you want to make sure that when you hire into companies, you want to make sure they're a good fit for the company. Yeah. Why a good fit? Why not a good ad? That's a good question. Because I think you know what you're saying, actually. Because like fit could be like, an- everyone looks Another James. Way. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean it like that. Okay. I don't mean it like that. I think it's um, it's a really good question because I don't like that either. Everyone looks the same. So we're going to find another person. I actually try and go against the mold. I try to think, well, this you don't have anyone who looks like yeah, yeah. this guy so, or this girl. So why don't you look at this person? I think when I think fit, and I say it's more like, I think I'm thinking more performance. Okay. More performance, especially with sales. I'm okay. thinking like a better fit. Like you need a top performer right now. This is the right. This is the right fit for that. Um, or you need to be more diverse. This person this is a fit. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think of a fit like a jigsaw puzzle to, to, to complete a jigsaw puzzle. Okay. Um, we've got another James from Clapham. Got you. Got you. Okay. Okay. That's fine. That's Shout fine. out to James from Clapham. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, James? It's a good question. That's a really good question. Right? And I'll, I'll. Um, I'll maybe start thinking about how I say that more of an ad rather than a fit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that I've had to educate um, clients on all the time because I always say, you know, got to be a good culture fit. And I was like, yeah. well, you know, we're trying to expand. We're trying to add this thing is here. We're going to wrap up now anyway. Okay, cool. But let me, but let me just, let me just um, say the goodbye on the camera. Let me, um, it's fine, I can say bye on the podcast okay. and wrap it up. Uh, right, so, okay now, so where can people find you so that, and connect with you? Uh, LinkedIn, like I said, I live on LinkedIn. Um, so like, just hit me up, Niall Simpson, um, and you'll see some of the work I'm doing. I'm trying to be more active on there, so you'll see like some posts. I'm trying to give value back to my connections, I guess. Aww. Well, so LinkedIn. Um, just message me as well if you've got any questions if you're trying to get into tech sales or you're in tech sales um, or if you just want to chat about setting a business up or anything like that like oh, I'm learning so I'm all, I am I want to speak to people I want to help people as much as possible well thank you thank you for helping me so far as well by the way thank you for no, just thank you for helping for... me like, had, and keep, let's keep doing it like yeah. I'm, I'm even like coming to this podcast as well like, I thought like it'd be valuable for you but I also think it could be valuable for me as well like yeah. talking about this stuff and and getting it out there in the world so yeah, so Keep thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you I so much. I this setup as well. This Trish. is the first podcast I've done in person. Oh, is it? See, it's better in person, it's isn't it? It's better in person, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Spoken better. It's just, this setup's sick. It's just, it's just more vibesy. Mm. The energy's, you can feel energies on, on virtual Zoom. You yeah, can get a little yeah, yeah, eye message and you're like yeah. talking and you're typing back. You have our full attention. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like a real conversation. Exactly. But, um, but thank you for coming and thank you for listening, everyone, to this episode. I'm sure you all found it really valuable. And if you'd like, I guess, to share it with your friends, please do connect with now. Um, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Black Create Connect podcast. Boom, boom, boom. And it's done. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. I'm hot in this chair, man. Sorry, sorry. Let me ask him to come in and um, turn it off. Hello, darling. Um, do you, sorry, I never pressed the button because I don't want to press the wrong button. So, so do you mind pressing it for me? Is that alright? Thank you. Sorry, my camera went off a couple of times. Not, not, it's not your fault.